Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Welcome everyone today to the Preserving Families podcast. We're so grateful that you're with us and I'm grateful that Kevin Hinckley's with us. Kevin is a good friend. Uh, we've done a podcast uh, episode before and Kevin, thanks for being here today. Oh, grateful to be here. Thanks for inviting. Yeah. You're coming from sunny Dallas because my daughter just flew home to Dallas and she said that it was, what, about 70? Are you in the 70s? Uh, we're, yes, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have yeah, to rub it in, right? I, I, I mean, I hate to, hate to, you know, rain on anybody who is, you know, sitting in three feet of snow or, or something like that, but All right. that's All right. why we live where we live. That's right. And that's why uh, you're right. And we're, we're digging ourselves out of snow here in Utah Valley today. So now for those of you that don't know Kevin that well, he's been in private practice as a therapist for over 30 years. He's written several books. One of them is really uh, appropriate to our topic today, Promptings or Me. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Burying Our Swords is another, and The Husband Whisper, along with several others. Um, so Kevin's uh, an author, a regular presenter at BYU Campus Education Week, leading tours. Uh, in fact, Kevin, where is your next tour and when? Uh, we'll be back in Israel again in March. Wow. And is that tour full, or is it? Uh, does it still have a few? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a okay. it's a it's a smaller group. It filled up, but then we're also doing a. We'll be back in Israel again the following March as well. We, we were just in Israel in October, as well. So it's one of our favorite places. Oh, that that is so awesome. Well, today we want to discuss a discuss a crucial topic: teaching our children to receive answers from the Spirit. And in order to do that, we're going to lay a little doctrinal foundation. We'll discuss some key principles of revelation. And then, of course, we want to focus on how to teach your children and grandchildren these important concepts of recognizing the spirit in their lives. We're all about preserving the family and strengthening the family and helping our children and parents receive answers from the spirit is one of the most crucial ways we can do that, we believe. I want to share with you as we start something from President Nelson's talk. In fact, I was just rereading uh, a talk that Elder Anderson gave in our last general conference, and he's quoting the several people who during that general conference quoted this statement. Maybe it's President Nelson's most quoted statement as a prophet. Our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory. But in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, and comforting and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. My beloved brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Choose to do the spiritual work required to enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost and hear the voice of the Spirit more frequently and more clearly. That was President Nelson, General Conference, April 2019. Kevin, when you hear that statement, I know you've heard it repeatedly. What are some thoughts that come to your mind? You know, one of the things, Mark, that I'm always so aware of 
when, when you think about all of the responsibilities that we have as parents or teachers, uh, youth leaders uh, over these kids, uh, there's so many things that we want them to know and want them to learn to prepare them better for adulthood, which is really our primary responsibility. But Mark, if you think about the link between the most critical thing that I think that happens for them is A, uh, they're able to feel the spirit. And then B, they recognize that it was the spirit and kind of C, they trust that the spirit is giving them guidance and direction in a certain area. And D, they have the courage to follow what the spirit directed. Right. Um, I, I think you've had the same experience that I have in our counseling sessions where we have people that just say, I don't know if I've ever felt the spirit. Or right. I don't know if uh, I'm not sure my my parents get answers or I see other people getting answers, but I don't get answers. And and when we start talking and then I start finding out that they've gotten impressions and they've gotten or they read the scriptures or they listen to a talk and they they feel lifted. It's obvious to me that they have felt the spirit in a variety of ways. But for some reason, somewhere in their education, they never learned to connect the two that what right. they were feeling was actually the spirit because they were looking for something else that didn't occur. Right. You know, another thing, Kevin, that I think about when I read that is I fear that there are people in the church who read this statement from President Nelson and and kind of feel, oh, my gosh, if I don't if I'm not yeah. connected to the spirit, then, oh, wow, what's going to happen to us? And I I'm always reminded of the incredible support system that we have around us. We have local leaders. We have leaders that preside over those local leaders. We have apostles and prophets. They're not going to abandon us and leave us alone. But certainly, yes, we want to be able to feel the Spirit and be guided by it in our own personal lives in these latter days. But don't feel that if it's if you, that you're on an island, right? And if you don't if you don't feel something, your whole family is going to implode. Because I think that we are surrounded by great people, and part of feeling that Spirit is having the Spirit give us the guidance and wisdom to follow living prophets that surround us as well. Well, and if I and and I will talk about this a little bit later. And if I don't get answers to prayers the same way that President Ogletree does, then I'm somehow doing it wrong. Or I yes. need to keep working on it until I'm getting answers like my bishop does or my mom did or, or something. I think that's one of those misconceptions. Yeah. And President Nelson does make it clear that it is going to re require some spiritual work to be able to hear the voice of the Spirit. This isn't just going to come to us through osmosis or by not putting in any effort. Well, you know what, Mark, the other one that's always um, fascinated me is the fact that um, when we talk about listening to the Spirit, we talk about hearing it uh, through um, the still, small voice. Right, yes. And I, I always ask people, wouldn't it be nice if it was like he spoke through a loud megaphone <laughs> where you couldn't miss it? And it's always interesting that it's like the, these most critical powerful things that we need to learn are going to come quietly and peacefully where we're straining to listen. Uh, but that's not the world we live in. The The world we live in is that those that are the most passionate about something and generally the most wrong are the loudest voices in the room. Um, yeah. And, uh -oh. 
and, and, or the, we're just the uh, you ever noticed on the TV you could be watching something and then when it switches to a commercial the commercial is like twenty decibels louder. <laughs> I've never noticed, but <laughs> I know that it does. It 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 amps up, and it's like the voices of uh, so many things in the world are going to be louder, and in contrast, the voice of the spirit is quieter. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I wish it was louder. You know, <laughs> That's right, for sure. Well, Kevin, what are some of the key doctrines that have helped you understand Revelation better? I know this is a topic that you've studied for a long time in your life. Yeah. You tell us about that a little bit. When, when I was when I was younger, <clears throat> I remember uh, a specific instance where my parents went to the the temple. Uh, they were going to an endowment session. Uh, they, they got the names that they were going to go through the temple that day with. And just before they were going to go into the, uh, endowment room, my mother turned to my dad and said, we have to go home. And he wow. said, why? And she says, I don't know. There's something wrong in the family, but we got to go home. And my dad being my dad says, are, are you sure? And she says, yes, it's urgent. We need to go. So, you know, they turned around and turned their names back in and went back in the dressing room and got dressed and went home and sat by the phone. And sure enough with, you know, not long after they got home, the phone call comes that I have a brother-in-law who's having uh, uh, kidney stones and things are really bad and that they are desperately needed to help watch kids uh, while they, they take care of this emergency. Yeah. My mother was like that. Those impressions, those powerful feelings would come to her as an impulse, as a voice, and she would act on them. I grew up with that, but Mark, it, that never happened to me. <laughs> my right. my impressions and things are very rarely, maybe a couple of times on my mission, have I had those kind of profound, uh, profound hit me over the head with a hammer moments. And so I think one of those things is is learning to listen with my own voice and my own ability to hear it. So, so I think one of the, the misconceptions is we all hear the spirit the same way. Yes. That we all have the, the, the spirit works a certain way and we're going to have some kind of a spiritual equation for getting answers to prayers. And, and if we're not getting the same answers, to everybody else, then we got to work on it until we get answers the same way. I think that's a really powerful misconception. I do too. I do too, Kevin. In fact, I, I think it's one of the most powerful misconceptions because it causes a lot of us to feel a little bit maybe unworthy or unprepared to receive revelation when we find out that so many are seem to be receiving it with ease, right? And uh, that's right. I remember one time I was teaching. I, I used to teach uh, when I was a BYU student at the missionary training center, and I remember one time a, a missionary had taught a lesson. Uh, with his companion to the rest of us, to our to our group. And when it was over, he stood up and he said, okay. And in a really bold way, he said, if you guys didn't feel the spirit when I was teaching, <laughs> then something's wrong with all of you. And uh, I remember having to stand up as the teacher and, and soften that and correct that a little bit. Uh, that just because he was feeling it didn't mean that we were. And the way that he was feeling it could be really different than the way that the rest of us felt it. But I believe that. I I think I think Kevin a lot of us are like Samuel in the Old Testament, you know, where you remember the 
the voice of the Lord comes to him three times yeah. that yeah. night while he's sleeping and he he thinks it's Eli and it, and it has to be Eli who teaches him that no you're receiving an answer from the spirit we have uh, we have many uh, of our prophets and apostles have taught us this concept that the idea of learning the language of the spirit takes time you know and even even elder here's elder ballard who's our senior apostle in the quorum of the 12 telling us that you know learning to receive the promptings and to respond to them it didn't happen suddenly, but it, it it took place line upon line over time, you know, right. and, and I think we have to to recognize that. So here's another question for you. But what are what would you say? We're kind of we kind of dove into this a little bit. Let's develop this a little bit more. But what are some of the common misconceptions about receiving revelation, Kevin, from your experiences? What do you see out there? Um, I remember. uh as a young missionary being taught by uh, Elder Marky Peterson. Oh, yeah. And I, and, and I think in, in, a, in a very intimate setting in a zone conference with just a handful of us. And at that point, we were using an approach where we were using uh, from the Doctrine and Covenants, the, the pattern of you're going to pray about it. And if it's if it's right, you'll get a burning. And if you're wrong, it'll you'll get a stupor. Um, and and Elder Peterson in that in that setting corrected us and he said read the last line to that verse the last line said uh, and if if you get this answer you'll be able to uh, translate what you've been <laughs> translate right? the records right that's right and and what he said was that was a specific revelation given to oliver cowdery about how to translate the book of mormon he says it was never given as a general pattern uh, for all members about how they're going to, you know, decide whether they move to Massachusetts or South Dakota. Right. You know, it, it was never meant to be a generalized kind of thing. Now, I, I think in your experience, as well as mine, we've certainly found people that that's how they get answers is that they hear the uh, burning of the, they feel a burning in the bosom kind of thing. And that's, but uh, I've heard uh, President Oaks talk about the fact that he's never had a burning in the bosom. Exactly. That, that his answers come in a far different way. But those misconceptions, especially if somebody's been reading the Doctrine and Covenants, can be, if I haven't got a burning in the bosom, then I haven't got a testimony, or I've never heard the Spirit, or, or something like that. So, so they're looking, a misconception can be we're specifically looking for something that's not going to be the way that that our spiritual machinery works. That that reminds me, Kevin, of something President Kimball said years ago, that the the Camorras, that the Kirtlands were realities, but they were the exceptions to the rule, yeah. and that most of the revelation that comes to today's prophet, and he said that as the prophet, comes in form of quiet impressions, he said. And I think yes. that we've dramatized it so much in terms of, you know, when I say dramatized, We've dramatized experiences with the spirit and people share their testimonies and they speak so freely. Yes, that's right. And, and then they speak in a candid way of receiving these direct revelations. And uh, I think that can be intimidating for some. I know people that will often in their sentences, the spirit told me to do this. The spirit yes. told me to do yes. that. And I still remember as a missionary, one of uh, my missionary uh, companions telling me that the spirit revealed to him how to get a knot out of his shoe, you know? And I remember thinking, really? I mean, was that, 
I mean, and, and maybe it was right. I mean, maybe it was, but I guess I just never had the, I never had the thought personally that I should ask the, the Lord how to get that knot out, you know, of my shoe, but, but maybe some do, you know, but I think that for those who don't receive those kind of answers, sometimes the way other members of the church talk and describe spiritual mm -hmm. experiences can be misleading and intimidating for some. I don't I've know. always, I've always found it interesting that, uh, you know, you get a someone that'll get up in testimony meeting and they'll say, you know, well, I had my family and we were camping out in the and out in the woods. And then suddenly the middle of the night, the spirit told me to move my tent. And and yeah. uh, I ignored it at first. And then it said, move my tent. So I got up and we moved the tent. And then five minutes later, lightning struck the tree and it landed where our tent was. And and I, you know, I'm grateful for the Lord. And, and I don't want to denigrate people that have had those experiences because some do right some have some, had some do yeah. absolutely but i always feel bad for everybody else sitting in the audience that goes no the tent the the tree fell on our tent <laughs> you know and it, <laughs> how, <laughs> you know or we did run come, out of gas in the middle of the desert you know or yeah. how come i didn't get the spirit directing you know did the lord love them more than me or were they more in tune than me uh because uh, our tent got crushed um <laughs> And and there's no question that in testimony meeting, we are really grateful for those experiences when they occur. But but there is a tendency to go ahead and and generalize them and go really righteous people get these experiences. Not so righteous people, you know, have the tree fall on the tent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the conclusion I think we walk away with sometimes. And, and once again, we want to. We want to make it clear that, uh, as you said, Kevin, that yeah, some some people do have some those experiences, do. and 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 some of us don't. And it doesn't mean if we don't that if the tree does fall in our tent that we're not worthy. It just there was another lesson or a purpose in in that. So, you know, Kevin, I'm I want you to think for a minute about uh, maybe teaching moments that you've had with your own children and grandchildren when it comes to the workings of the spirit. But there's one that stands out in my mind that I've always remembered. Yeah. It was a daughter, our oldest daughter, Brittany, who came home from church when she was about 14 or 15. And we always, you know, like a lot of families, uh, you know, would sit around the table at dinner time on Sunday and talk about what our children had learned in church that day. And our daughter said something like, well, I guess I don't have a testimony. And we said, what do you mean? And I, we knew that our daughter was strong and faithful. And she went ahead and told us the story of how in young women's class that day, that every single girl and leader was crying during the lesson, except mm -hmm. for her. Yeah. So when she came home, she was like, so I guess I just don't ever feel the spirit or have a testimony. And, and it was a great teaching opportunity for us to help her understand that, that, you know, and this is kind of Kevin, I think where we're going to end up here in a little while, but, but you, you're using the word spiritual machinery, but that our spiritual machinery is so different for all of us. Yeah. And that just because uh, our daughter wasn't crying doesn't mean you can't feel the spirit or just because some were crying. Does that mean that they were feeling the spirit? I mean, I've been to plenty of girls camps in my day and those testimony meetings that are wonderful, but I've even had girls say to open up their testimony. I'm crying already and I don't even know why. And, you know, part of it is they're, <laughs> completely exhausted and they're ready for a shower or whatever right. but but we had to help our daughter understand that you know what some people do cry and some are moved to tears when they feel the spirit but not everyone you know and don't worry about that let's find out how the spirit works with you i don't know kevin do you, anything like that in your yeah realm? I, I, 
part of, part of what I tried to with, with my own kids, um, I recognized early on, for instance, um, some uh, a wise uh, mentor told me once that uh, if if we have three teenagers and we raise all three the same way, we're abusing two of them. <laughs> Great counsel. You know? And and so you know when when my when my oldest son uh, would do something he shouldn't do and and we grounded him to his room for a timeout, he might not come out for hours. He loved <laughs> being in his room and we'd have to go get him. I mean, that was, <laughs> he'd just go in and study and he'd love that. And then right. his, his younger brother next to him, we'd send him to his room and that would be, he's very social. That would be the worst thing you could do to him. And so we I'm, had to I'm we only found, laughing because you just described our two oldest children perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, so when we're looking at consequences of actions, we're having to take into consideration how vastly different each child is along the way. Well, I think that's certainly true when if you have an artist a kid that's very artistic, chances are pretty good that their way of feeling the spirit is going to be more impressions and feelings and they might be more moved by music or art or something because that's their language right uh, where if you've got one that is more analytical they may be more moved by understanding a concept or trying to understand a certain scripture uh or they're going to be the one to say that i don't get i don't understand the spirit until i understand the doctrine and I'm going to ask a lot of whys. I've got a lot of questions. And it doesn't mean they're not feeling the spirit. It's just that analytically, that's how they come to discover truth. And once mm -hmm. they get the truth, the spirit resonates when they find the truth. But I think sometimes parents start getting worried when they hear questions and doubts. And uh, and then they start to start bearing down in testimony to hurry and shut this thing down quickly. Right. Um, as opposed to saying, when, when you have a child that's asking questions what a wonderful opportunity to lead them towards the spirit but use their language to do it uh, by by if this is someone analytical let's study something together let's look at a couple of possibilities and then let's think about it for a day or two and see what comes to our mind so it's a discovery process um, and they're probably the ones mark that aren't going to be crying at testimony meetings the 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 gospel very logical and analytical right me. right oh amen kevin that's so well said um you made me think of my own children and some of the ways that they that i believe that they feel the spirit so thank you i'm going to read this uh this statement from joseph f smith it's the right and privilege of every man every woman and every child who has reached the years of accountability to enjoy the spirit of revelation to be possessed of the spirit of inspiration it's the privilege of every individual member of the church to have revelation for their own guidance and for their own direction, so to speak. Um, or in other words, I do think that a lot of us feel in the church that only, only certain leaders or even the, the highest leaders of the church are able to receive this daily revelation, but yet right. it's for all of us. And then here's Brigham Young teaching that principle that, that when it comes to feeling the spirit, that, most of us live far beneath our privileges. Yes. Kevin, any thoughts on, on that concept of living beneath our privileges? I, I think, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're quoting Brigham Young. I, I remember the story, and I don't know if it's anecdotal or not, but I love it anyway, 
you recall the story where on their way west they were stuck in a his wagon was stuck in a in a river yeah they were trying to pull it out and i guess the brother and it could have been my pioneer grandfather was one of his <laughs> team masters but uh said uh Brother Brigham, we we need to we need to pray, and and his response was, "I prayed this morning. Get out and push." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you, I you love know, that. The, 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 sometimes that, um, I I don't know about you, but you know, part of what we're trying to explain to our kids uh, is the fact that when I when I found in my own spiritual uh, experiences, if I pray for something. And it's confirming what I really wanted. I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> generally, if I pray for something and it's going to cause me to have to stretch and do something that I didn't necessarily want to do, the, the, that's, a, that's a pretty good clue to me where the answer is coming from. Because the Lord, through the Spirit, wants to stretch us and pull us. And sometimes we don't want to hear an answer or our kids don't want to hear an answer because it's going to tell them to that they need to do something they really didn't want to do and and if we're so part of what we're trying to prepare them for is that if we want to be able to have the privileges that Brigham Young's talking about we have to have that willingness to follow through on what we're being told so right. Kevin I'm going to I'm going to put the ball right on the tee for you and let you hit it right over the fence because this everything that you're talking about reminds me of Elder Bednar's famous you know, a famous kind of dialogue. He said that when he was the president of BYU-Idaho, that the most common doctrinal question that he ever uh, received from, from the uh, student body was, how do I know if it's the spirit or if it's me? Well, it just so happens you wrote a book called Promptings or Me. Yeah, as it turns out. <laughs> what's your, what's your, you know, what's your, uh, response to that question when a teenager says is this just me or is it, or is it the spirit you know that's a that's a hard question to ask in isolation right when when we when we pull back and we see it in context uh when i have when i have somebody sometimes like i have uh, missionaries getting ready to go out that i see in my office uh and they're struggling with one thing or another um I, I want to have them see whatever answers they're getting in context, meaning some of the things that you and I have just been talking about. How do their parents get answers? What do, what do answers look like in their family? What's been your experience? Have you ever prayed to get an answer? Do you feel like you got an answer and then you followed it? Um, because it, it, it's critical that if we understand the whole picture, then we're prepared for some of those tougher moments. Um, I know, for instance, that um, when when we look, for instance, at the at the uh, Martin Handcart Company, right, and and we're and we are uh, amazed that you know, and they go through the period that that where they're crossing the river and and they're dying and and things are are really bad for them. Mark, that came after they were rescued. They had right. already the rescuers had already found them. There was an answer to prayer. They had they had left most of their stuff behind, and now they were going to move 
towards Salt Lake with a light and load, and they lot and the the most deaths they had were after they were rescued. Actually rescued, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I've I've had I've had uh, over the year a number of sisters that have come and said, when I was young, uh, my I prayed about it. The Lord told me to marry this guy. Uh, he, you know, he was abusive. Uh, we're we're now divorced. Why did the Lord tell me to marry this guy when he knew he was going to break my heart? Um, and destroy and, my family, yeah. Yeah, and if, if the Lord had just told me ahead of time, I wouldn't have married him in the first place. Um, and the hard thing about that, uh, you know, and, and, and you sit and counsel with with uh, couples in your present uh, positions, um, and, and you've heard these stories, and there's not great answers uh, initially because everyone is so different. Because one of the things that we try not to do as Latter-day Saints is question each other's inspiration. Right. You know, who are we to step in and say, no, they didn't, re you really didn't get an answer. Or mm -hmm. you did get an answer, but he had his free agency and he changed. You know, or we, we just don't know what the whole story was. But but it is hard when we feel like we've gotten an answer, we follow the spirit and the truck goes in the ditch. It just did not that didn't work yeah um, and and that's those times that i think we take about three steps back and we try and evaluate what happened um and if we're trying to teach kids listen to the spirit follow the spirit follow the spirit and then it didn't work then i think we have to work through that loop of saying uh what did that feel like Maybe I did get an answer and there was something else going on here. It was my job to follow. Um, but I, I just think that those kind of questions are the most tender questions of all. Was that me? Was that just me wanting what I wanted? Um, I had another lady that, that said specifically after we'd had a fireside on this topic. Um, and she said, I realized that I was trying to use the spirit as a backstop so I would never make a mistake. Mm. Yeah. That if I followed the spirit, there should never, I should, shouldn't make any mistakes. My life should be perfect because I followed the spirit exactly. And she says that hasn't happened. Um, and I tried to remind her that even, even Hubie Brown uh, <laughs> said at one point, he said, I believe that the spirit takes initiative in withdrawing from time to time so that we're able to grow to kind of test our metal make our own decisions yeah, yeah so, time time. so so how do you respond it's like i tried to get an answer and no answer came um i needed the answer and then i've got to rely on my own best judgment how did that work out right um so i i think of all the things this is probably the the one where there's the most questions about it and if we're going to teach kids how to how to um, follow the spirit we need to be ready for those times when they follow it didn't work and then there's going to be some second guessing well maybe god didn't really love me that much or maybe i didn't get an answer or right and, and i think it, you've had that experience right? well yeah and as i say in teaching them to trust that there is a timetable right and that sometimes things don't happen the way that we want them to when we want them to but uh, that there's a timetable i've you know, Kevin, that uh, 
that marriage question that you were talking about of, you know, I felt inspired to marry this person and then uh, things kind of imploded a few years down the road. I, I see that one a lot. We could probably do an entire podcast just on that, probably on that could. one issue. But I, I do believe that agency plays a role there. I do believe that sometimes we may feel that we're, we received an answer from the spirit and maybe it wasn't, maybe it was something else. Uh, I do believe that there sometimes are our purposes in in that relationship for reasons that we may not understand on this on this earth life. You know, that's right. As, as we go, you know, back to that idea that living beneath our privileges for a minute. I think one of the things I would want to teach my own children if they were teenagers again is that guys, the spirit is with you. <laughs> the spirit is with you more than you. Right. probably recognize and i love, love what stephen r covey once said that sometimes we don't realize the spirit's with us until it leaves but i'd want them to know that no the spirit is probably with you more than you recognize now let's learn to recognize it you know and and then respond to it kevin this has been some awesome material today thank you so much for being with us and sharing with us some of these great insights Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I don't know if there's anything more important we could be talking about, to be honest. I think this is one of the most important topics for sure. So once again, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting